welcome to the midday mumbai cricket podcast with clayton murzalo my guest today is zubin barucha the former mumbai opening batsman and currently director of development strategy and performance at rajasthan royals welcome to the show zubin thanks clayton lovely to see you and uh, always glad to be part of uh, something that you are involved with zubin like i start with uh, my guest uh, normally uh, about their beginnings in the game uh, how did you take your first steps in the game fascinating as always with most people from mumbai um i was playing you know in the maidans uh, and then uh, there were two people actually that were influential in that uh, starting period it was basically melli irani and uh, rohinton iranpur it was melli who told me to go to parsi cyclist and it was rohinton iranpur who basically said okay this is the guy that i want to sort of encourage uh, and then proceeded to sort of uh, put me through the ringer uh and i remember i started i started quite late i was almost 13 and a half when i started at parsi cyclist and uh, fascinatingly uh my first season itself uh, i think within the first few first few kind of practice sessions we were in the middle of the kanga league and uh, we were playing actually dadar union very interestingly and straight away uh, when we were playing dadar union the parsis decided not to turn up <laughs> because they probably thought they were going to get a hiding <laughs> and dadar union were at full strength with veg sarkar and manjrekar and and you know i think vikram dat was there abada was there rajde was there it was fascinating and and i i had only learned the forward defense up to that point <laughs> in my three net sessions before that uh, and uh, i and roni uh, came to me and said uh, you know you are playing and i was and i was quite shocked and uh, because i was the scorer of the team <laughs> and and i didn't have any pads or gloves or bat or anything and then he said you're playing so i was i was excited in a way but not realizing that that sort of entailed that i might have to bat and bowl as well <laughs> so <laughs> so against some of these uh, you know so called uh, greats of uh, already greats of certainly domestic cricket uh and then and then the, the 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 funniest part is he went on to say oh by the way you're opening the batting <laughs> so that was a bit of a shock to my system i managed to find some pads and gloves and walked out there and uh, proceeded to play forward defenses for the for every ball because i hadn't learned any other shot uh, and all i recall was vengsakar shouting at his bowlers from the other end saying can't believe you can't get this <laughs> this kid out <laughs> So you so you lasted for a while is it I lasted a long while and I think the scores were something like 17 or 18 all out <laughs> I can't even remember whether I scored a run in that first innings and then and then I remember uh, Dadarin and batted and and Vengsaka and Manjrek were just smashing it everywhere and uh, I was actually for some bizarre reason stationed at mid off and Max Spencer bless his soul is not with us anymore but uh, he was bowling and i think vengsaka stepped down the wicket and absolutely smashed this ball to mid off i uh, i was so scared i actually ducked under it and the ball went straight over my head and max spencer i think he's still abusing me from heaven at the moment for not taking that catch so that was my sort of and of course the, i think in the second innings they got about i don't know 100 odd and then put us back in and we were bowled out for again 20 odd or something like that i think i managed to get two runs or something in the second innings opening the bats uh, batting with max spencer so that was my initiation into cricket and uh, that's how i actually met vs patel who was at the game and then invited me to come to the mumbai under 15 trials so that was my kind of in a nutshell uh, initiation into mumbai cricket 
But what happened before that, Zubin? Uh, did you play cricket at school? Or did you go to any net? Interestingly, again, Rohingya Niranpur had a huge role there because I was at, you know, my my mother's a teacher and, you know, convent school education and all that. And so I was at St. Joseph's and they didn't play cricket. So one day, uh, Rohingya Niranpur actually lands up at my house at 11 o'clock in the night. I'm fast asleep and my mother sort of wakes me up saying, uh, you know, this fellow, he's saying his name is Rohingya Niranpur. Uh, he's suggesting that you should change your school. So my mother was almost asking me, like, do you actually know who this guy is? And why is he asking to change your school? Because, you know, my mother is a teacher and she was all kind of all about education at the time. And then eventually she sort of he convinced my mother that I should change my school to Hindi Vidya Bhavan. And my mother said, but why? I mean, this is, you know, because a typical convent education. <laughs> and uh, so he was like, Oh, because that's close to Parsi Jimkhana. And at Parsi Jimkhana, Vasant Amladi is going to be coaching. And I want him to experience Vasant Amladi. And so from there, he can walk to school. So he arranged this whole thing of me, you know, getting admission at Hindi Vidya Bhavan, going to Parsi Jimkhana to get, uh, you know, coached by Vasant Amladi so that I could just walk to the school. That was the whole vision that, you know, he sort of mastered and, in short, that I was, I was uh, forced into doing. My, my poor mother was a bit kind of aghast at all this, but uh, but that's how it started. And he sort of so started with Basant Amladi, then of course Pasi Cyclist, and uh, and and as I said, Melly Rani also was very much uh, one of those key guys who sort of sent me to Pasi Cyclist to go and play. Would it be fair to say that you were happy as Larry on the cricket pitch, but school was different? That big shift. I was an outdoors kid. Uh, I just could not stay indoors at all. I was whatever happened for me was all outdoors. Uh, I I'm at my happiest when I'm outdoors. I uh, still am. I don't think that ever changes. Before that, my first love was actually rugby. Uh, I was never initiated into cricket. I was always initiated into rugby because my father was a rugby player, uh, and uh, that was my first love. And uh, you know, still follow it uh, very closely, and I love the sport. Um, unfortunately. Um, I think in 1983, I think India won the World Cup. I would have been about 13 years old at the time. Um, and this whole sort of wave, oh, why don't you play some cricket? And so I was actually playing rugby at the time, with, you know, throwing the ball around kind of rugby. And then uh, Meli, Meli, Meli Rani said, oh, why don't you go to Pasi Cyclist and hit a few balls or whatever? And that's how it kind of started. So what sort of a mentor Meli Rani was? I know he was very cross with you when you shifted. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, he didn't speak to me for so many days and, and we had a, but my God, I, I just adore him. I, I love him. I just, I mean, these are the characters of Mumbai cricket that, I mean, we absolutely love and adore. I couldn't, I mean, despite him not speaking to him, I couldn't kind of almost tell him that, look, I, I actually love you so much that, you know, I don't know why you're not speaking to me. And, uh, uh, but we sorted it out pretty quickly, actually. And uh, I mean, we had many episodes. And actually, uh, Rohingya Niranpur made me the captain of Parsi Cyclists uh, in that year of the Kanga League. Uh, I think we were in the A division at the time. And Meli was still uh, playing at the time. And so he should have been the captain. But but Ronnie handed the captain to, captaincy to me. And I actually sort of uh, had this big row with Meli in the middle of the ground where I told him in the, at the, I think at the drinks break or something that, look, uh, you know, I'm making mistakes. I don't know what I'm doing, but just let me make those mistakes and, you know, don't keep changing the field. And of course, he just promptly changed the field <laughs> as soon as the drinks finished. I actually, uh, I, I can remember this like yesterday. I actually turned around. I was, I think I was fielding at cover or something like that. It was in the middle of the match and I actually turned around from cover 
I walked to the you know to the end exit of Azad Maidan, and then I walked home. And I didn't realize at the time, of course, that obviously my kit bag was lying in the in the tambu at Posse Cycles. And I had walked home, and I was like, and of course, no cell phones in those days, so I didn't really know how to get my kit because now I was too embarrassed to walk back to pick up my kit, having walked home. So it was a lot of drama involved in that, and uh, you know. Basically, uh, Rowington kind of mediated the whole thing between Melly and me, and and eventually I came back and continued to captain the side. But uh, you know, these characters like Melly, Irani, uh, these were the guys who were actually the the blood of Mumbai cricket. Absolutely, and there were so many uh, Clayton. Weren't there so many in the Maidan? You got the Vasu Paranjpes of the world, the VS Patels of the world. We had the Panjris in the Maidan. Chawan was in the Maidan. Achrekas are also in that. I mean, these guys are absolute legends of uh, you know the bedrock of Mumbai cricket, and often you know people sort of often ask me you know what was uh, the success behind Mumbai cricket, and what is what is the sort of that one thing that you can say uh, Mumbai cricket succeeded on, and I always go back to this very strict school of uh, learning, uh, and and a very solid foundations in technical aspects of batting and bowling. and i think these are the people that we learnt it from i think mumbai cricket has produced some 60000 or test runs or something like that and more than any other place in the world within us you know a, i don't know a few square miles i mean this cannot be possible unless you had that level of instruction uh, that level of foundation skills that we talk about which came from you know the the the, the vasant amladis the vs patels the vasu paranjpes the hanuman singhs and and then with beneath that you had guys like rohinton ranpur and melli rani and you know you had makrand over there you had panjri in the maidan you had chawan i mean without these guys uh, uh, there's another name paradkar sir so many of them who are just you know pass you know the daily sort of inspiration in that maidan providing that grounding to the boys you know year in year out without you know kind of any at that time obviously there was no commercial drive to it right it was just pure love of the sport uh, and we grew up with these people around us i mean that's the sort of uh, it's almost like a privilege and an honor to be even speaking about those people uh, to you it's like uh, having been through that having gone through it having seen it it's just such an honor and a privilege to have experienced these kind of people in my life and and certainly around mumbai cricket and i think that's what makes mumbai cricket so special uh and that's what makes it so successful as well not just special but it's also the 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 results are there for everybody to see right the number of runs scored or uh, at at the highest levels of the game it's all there and uh, it comes from the bedrock of these people it comes from the background of these people what they learned and what they passed on and that knowledge has gone you know to that generation and my biggest worry is that that chain of knowledge shouldn't ever be broken i think that's very critical if you want to ensure longer term success because this is almost like uh, you know saying why is new zealand rugby so successful it's because of what goes on behind the scenes in terms of you know this knowledge that gets passed on from generation to generation it's not about you know a structured coaching program and so on and so forth it's more about this sort of intangible knowledge chain that moves from hand to hand uh, and i think mumbai cricket has a great thank you to give to these you know gentlemen who have provided that chain of knowledge you know going from generation to generation 
uh, and we certainly, you know, my generation of cricketers certainly benefited a huge deal from so many such guys who were just incredible uh, to be around and just to absorb that knowledge. And and for me as a kid growing up, I would love to sort of know why things worked and why things didn't work. And so for me, it was like, uh, you know, I was like a boy in a little uh, toy shop. Uh, every day for me was, you know, learning something from... Hanuman Singh or learning something from Vasu or learning something from, you know, V.S. Patil or, so, you know, so many other people like that. It was, it was brilliant for me. You're listening to the Mumbai Cricket Podcast with Clayton Muzello. Uh, Zubin, I'm wondering whether there's a flip side to it. How much can a young cricketer take? You know, he's experiencing encountering so many coaches if you got so much of advice how did you you know uh, drain it all out you see the beauty of all that was Clayton that there was a very common thread amongst all of it you know each one had their own individual style but there was a very common thread there was a commonality in terms of the technical aspect that okay look the bat has always got to be lifted like this hands have always got to be have room to maneuver you know so, so the foundations were very homogenized in a sense that it was like everything was equal at that at a particular point. And then above that, you would have like a, a, a particular nuance of a coach. So like I can remember V.S. Patil's uh, practice sessions were always about discipline. And he would sort of say things like if you walked into bat, he would say things like, oh, today I want you to attack every ball. And you're probably thinking, wow, this is great. I can attack every ball. But then he would sort of slip in. Oh, by the way, but you can't get out. <laughs> I remember Vasu used to be brilliant on technique. And I mean, and everybody, he talked the same language. You know, the technical aspect was so clear. The way you picked up the bat, the way you brought it down. And the same with Vasan Damladi. I thought, in fact, if you ask me in terms of the pure technical aspect of the game, I think Vasan Damladi was the number one guy uh, in terms of, you know, telling you why something worked and why something didn't work. Why would you cock your wrist? You know, because you would get this kind of release at the, you know, when you uncock it, this is the timing that you would get and so on and so on. So each of them had their nuance. I mean, Hanuman Singh was, I would say, he was so advanced in his thinking that he would bring like all sorts of golf techniques into the game. I think there was never an overlap that, oh, you're confused that this guy is saying that or that guy is saying that. You always had that the base level was solid. And then above that, these guys would come in with their little you know, nuances of one was more disciplined or one was more sort of technical or one was more sort of tactical. I would say Vasu was much more tactical. You know, he was much more kind of in the feel of the game. You know, what goes on? How does it happen? Um, so each of them brought such a brilliant uh, sort of canvas of sort of things that you were almost always intrigued by what was coming next you know you would never a boring moment sitting in the tent over there whether you were playing or not playing it really didn't matter you was just absorbing absorbing all the time and equally from the players right there were some phenomenal players to absorb from as well so just listening to those guys it was like okay maybe i didn't quite get this which is what i go back to is like my learning uh, most of it is and my hunger and thirst for knowledge is driven by these gentlemen who have given us that sort of background to say that, okay, you know, uh, don't be satisfied at, you know, finishing here or finishing there or, you know, ending your, your sort of learning is just continuously going on. So no matter whether you're scoring hundreds or you're scoring zeros, you're learning from both. Because I think sometimes what happens is when you're doing well, you stop learning. You know, you sort of think, oh, I know it all or whatever. 
I think these gentlemen always were behind us to say, you know, okay, you know, if you're getting 100, get 200 or whatever it was, or, or how do you play the spinner better? Or why were you playing this kind of shot against the fast bowler? It would have potentially given you, a, you know, some, you know, hitting it in the air in this direction or whatever. All these gentlemen and coaches were just so uh, ingrained. I think the whole uh, system at Mumbai was, and that's why I call it such a strict school of cricket, is this was this was kind of what you say is is what went into that strictness was you know that that okay you know what can we do better it's all, all it was always about what what can we do better and how can we get better both as individuals and as a team i think all these people just hated losing and everything was driven by the fact that oh you know how can we how can we pull a game off you know how can we convert the game into a victory uh, and the whole ethos and thinking and background was all triggered towards that. So there was always a end result as well. You know, it was that, you know, we found a way to win. You know, the whole sort of environment and atmosphere that these guys created. I don't know whether they ever thought that they were doing it in, on purpose, but that's who they were as characters. And I think that's what came out so brilliantly. Uh, as I said, each was so different. You would just sit and listen. You know, if Vasu was saying something, you wanted to be in that conversation because you just didn't want to miss any word that was being said. You know, it was every word was so valuable and, you know, something to just hold on to. Uh, we, we speak about it even today, right? So that's that's the beauty of what we went through. It's a great pity that the Mumbai uh, standards have gone down. Uh, you've had a global view of the game now. Uh, would you be able to analyze as to what happened, what's happening in Mumbai cricket? I don't think standards will drop. I'll tell you why. I think what will happen is that um, because of the volume of cricket that will continue to be played in Mumbai, because of the competitiveness of the club system that will continue to be there, because of the socio-economic environment that exists in a city like Mumbai, there will always be that hunger and desperation for kids to come up and do well. So given all, those factors have not changed, there has been a slight shift potentially in terms of, let's say we've lost out a generation of these phenomenal coaches. There's been a failure, I think, a little bit in terms of coaching has kind of uh, this formalization of coaching, which was kind of spoiled a little bit of the quality of the product that is coming out at the end. I genuinely don't believe that Mumbai cricket with all these factors remaining constant, uh, will change. Yeah, what has happened is definitely the others have caught up. There's no question about it. There's others have caught up. There's no question about it. But I don't think that Mumbai cricket and the talent that exists even today, I mean, even today, if you look at the names, I mean, some of the names are doing phenomenally well in international cricket. Some of the names are doing phenomenally well in domestic cricket. I don't think that changed. I think the, the fact that they're not winning as much is definitely an issue because others have caught up. They know how to play. They, their coaching standards have improved. Their exposure to cricket has improved. And I think for that, we have to actually thank television uh, because television has taken it to those smaller parts where visually people, once they see something, you know, there's an aspiration. There is a, they can copy it. They can follow it. Uh, and I think because of television, you see this sort of emergence of talent across the country, whereas in the past it was more related to, say, Bangalore, Mumbai, Delhi, Chennai, so on and so forth. So I think the competitiveness of everybody else is playing into that. I genuinely don't believe that Mumbai cricket uh, uh, is losing out in that sense. From a talent perspective, I, gen I think that, yeah, if you're asking me, can they do more to ensure that we are winning more? Of course, absolutely. Uh, we know we know for 
example that a simple program that uh, Mathuran ran uh, with the bowlers back in the day with uh, that Mafata team. I mean, it produced a generation of bowlers that have benefited that benefited Mumbai into I don't know how many titles we won as a result of that. I think if just if a few things are just tweaked a little bit, I can see Mumbai winning every year again. I don't see that as a problem. I absolutely don't see that as a problem. I see. I see the blockage is basically the fact that others have caught up, but talent-wise, I think I mean you look at just now you know Jaiswals of the world or your Sarfrazes or your Rohits or you know Suryas or you know I mean I mean some we were just discussing somebody was asking me where Surya is today, and I actually told them that in 2009, which is now I don't know 11, 12 years ago, I actually took Surya to to Jaipur for a trial for Rajasthan Royals. That's 2009, <laughs> and look at where he is today, right? I mean, it takes time sometimes for somebody to, you know, mature to find himself. There's so much uh, involved in that, and every player has got such a different cycle to that. Uh, so I, I genuinely, I think Mumbai cricket is uh, is absolutely fine. They just need to put the right people in charge, you know, and and I think things will things will flow. I have no doubt about that. So Zubin, I have put you into a comfort zone. You like talking about cricket in general. But less about yourself. So I'm going to talk about yourself. <laughs> that Ranji hundred on debut. What recollections do you have of that? Few things were there. One was that uh, Hanuman Singh was in charge, and I was very comfortable with that. He was just uh, a coach that was, I think, 25 years ahead of his time. Uh, the things he brought to us, the, the way he talked to us, the way he was sort of prepared us. Uh, along with that, we had a phenomenal group of boys. We just had a phenomenal group of boys. We had, you know, there was Jatin, there was Sai, there was Amol, there was Samir, uh, there was Abby, there was Paras, there was Sunil More. Uh, Vinod was there as well. So actually, Vinod was batting at the other end when I got my hundred. So that was a very cool thing for me. Uh, he was sort of up and coming at the time. Sachin had sort of gone ahead a little bit. Um, so that was a very satisfying moment, and I, I still recall. I think I got my hundred towards the end of the day. And I was not out overnight on a hundred. My head was so up in the clouds somewhere that the next morning I remember walking out to bat, and there was an off spinner who was bowling for Baroda, and uh, he bowled one like wide outside off stump, and I was in such a daze. I just left the ball, my middle stump went back. So <laughs> I was like in such cloud nine, having scored a hundred for Mumbai on debut. It was such a surreal experience. Uh, you had a good experience in the uh, Irani Trophy, also. Yes, I got a hundred on debut there as well. Um, I mean, if in, uh, I, I'm not sure whether I was supposed to play that game, but I think Sanjay was captaining that day. Something happened, and I was I ended up opening. If you start to sit down and actually analyze when you batted well and when you didn't bat well, I actually thought uh, over the 170 odd runs or whatever, I actually thought I only batted well in the last 25 or 30 runs. Right the way through, I was just kind of hanging in there, hanging in there kind of game. Uh, but I actually felt really good about the way I batted in probably the only the 25 or 30 runs that I scored right at the end, and I think I was batting with the tailenders because uh, you know we kind of ran out of wickets there. But it's it's lovely to have these little kind of uh, records to your name, I guess. Uh, you know, something to sit back and really appreciate that you know all the hard work that you put in sort of counted for something. In that game uh, against Maharashtra, uh, the Mumbai top four was Shastri, Manjrekar, Tendulkar, and yourself. Uh, did you realize what sort of an honor this was? Oh my God! As I said, I I still pinch myself, and I still, uh, you know, people talk to me about, uh, you know, of course, we all everybody talks about Tendulkar, you know, 
I mean, I and then and they compare him to you know uh, Kohli now and things like that. And I and I tell them my personal experiences that you know I thought you know given all the hard work that we put in, so many people were about the same level, right? You know, you sort of thought you were sort of about you could compete with uh, you know the next guy there who was playing. And then came this guy called Tendulkar, and I tell you. I have watched now so much cricket over the years, uh, so many batsmen, amazing players. I have never seen um, the ball leave the bat uh, the way it did when he batted. I mean, Kohli might score probably twice as many runs as him. So there's a feel that happens. There's a timing. There's a sort of a sound that happens. Or there's a there's something that the eye cannot comprehend. And when Sachin was in that phase between I don't know 15 and 20 or 22 or whatever it was. There was no comprehension. Literally, you could not comprehend what was coming next, and and that is that is pure genius. That is pure genius. Whereas for others, you could kind of comprehend that yeah, that's a good shot, or that's this, or that's that. But he was one guy that you just could not comprehend, and you could not put your finger on why it was happening and how the ball was leaving the bat with that kind of speed. It, it was just a, it was just a sheer joy to be playing at the other end. He was just in a in a different zone. He was miles apart from anything that pretty much exists. Forget about Mumbai cricket. I think anything that existed in international cricket. And I would go so far as to say I don't think I don't think cricket will ever see something like that again. And the reason is because you do not have uh, anybody at 15, 16, and 17 years old dominating a sport. I think that that in itself is something completely unique. I think I don't know even people like Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan have done that. I mean, they've done that in their prime, but not as a 17-year-old. I mean, nobody. I mean, maybe in tennis you had a few instances of you know young people dominating. Maybe Boris Becker at around 17, 18. But I don't think in cricket we will ever see that again. Uh, I think we was unbelievably privileged to have seen that in front of our eyes. It was something that, as I said, nobody could comprehend. I certainly couldn't. You're listening to. The Mumbai Cricket Podcast with Clayton Muzello. Uh, did Did you realize how good you were? For me, it was sort of more about like um, I I believed in the work. So I mean, one of the simplest things that my father said to me when I was growing up was, you know, just always remember there's somebody else in this world who's working harder than you. And for some reason, that that just stuck in my head. And I think I took it too far. I was sort of overly obsessed by the preparation. I became completely obsessed. I would get up at three o'clock in the morning and go to Chopati for a run. Uh, then from there, from the beach, I would go to the flyover on you know near Pasi Gymkhana and then run up the flyover to just to improve my speed. Uh, from there, I would go to catch a train to to Matunga for the Podara College practice. Finish the practice, at, then again I would go at 1:30 around back to the beach for a run because I realized that you know I was not running. The match was in the middle of the day, and I needed to acclimatize to the heat, and and so I ran again in the afternoon. Then I went to practice. After that, I got some guys to throw balls at me at Bombay Gymkhana. I mean, it, and I would go to sleep at around six o'clock in the evening. And I did this for five years. I did this for five years without a single day off. So I was like so obsessed. I mean, I would come up with plans like, what would I do to never get beat? Forget about getting out. What technical things I could do to never get beaten? And then I would do like, what technical things could I do could, so that I never get hit on the pads? 
and you know kind of weird things like that would come in my head as like you know how can i get better and better and better so i think i got a little too obsessed with that aspect of uh, you know the development it's helping me now because of that's what i'm doing now but but i think i was overly obsessed with that and then i always knew in the back of my mind that 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 would pay um, you know in terms of results so i always had that confidence uh, that i always felt that if i put in the work i'd get the result so i always knew that if i put in twice as much as anybody else then i would probably get twice as much as the result now whether that comes from some level of insecurity about something or whether that comes from a genuine uh, position of uh, wanting to improve you know it's somewhere in between but uh, but that was my formula uh, so uh, after 17 first class games uh, you didn't play uh, any more uh, first class cricket what did that do to you did it depress you so i was quite clear in my mind what i wanted uh, in the sense that uh so actually it, very interestingly that uh, that irani trophy 100 was almost like for me like a satisfaction that i had reached a stage of my career where i had gone a full circle because uh, before that i was dropped from the team so when i came back and i scored that 100 i it, it felt to me that i've actually sort of come back and you know achieved most of what i wanted to achieve in terms of uh, you know the mumbai setup i did get picked to play for india a against england i i got picked for that and but for some reason after that i didn't have a good couple of games or something and then i got dropped again and i did snap at that period you know i was doing really well and i did snap at that period where i was like you know i because i put in so much work and so much kind of effort to get to where i needed to get to it was almost like think i was thinking in my mind that look do i have to actually put in that kind of work again to get back in the side uh and i don't think i was mentally prepared at that stage to put in that kind of work so in my mind in it was like as i said my mind just worked like okay if i put in that kind of work i'm going to get that kind of result and at that stage of my career at 25 or whatever i genuinely didn't believe that i had the mental fortitude to put myself through that grind again and in my mind if i didn't put myself through that grind i wouldn't get anywhere at, at that point and then yeah, you're 25 right you're thinking you know career you're thinking marriage you're thinking you know so on and so forth all the sort of normal things of life and i just decided that you know i wanted to go back and study so i went i left actually left india and i went to the uk and finished my masters i did a mba and uh, never looked back I, i mean i even today i i feel that yeah you know i think some things are meant to be and some things are not and uh, i have absolutely zero regrets there i i absolutely loved what i did Uh, I thought that I I thought that the, that those first 25 years were brilliant. Uh, I thought what I did after that was equally brilliant. You know, in the world of uh, software and sport, and uh, tried so many things. Uh, you know, did my masters, which I would never have done if I had continued playing cricket. So uh, I'm a sort of um, you know sort of open canvas guy. I like to keep drawing that canvas, seeing where it goes. So in a sense, I've I think it's been very fulfilling what I what I've managed to. Do. do is like you know put do, put put in all the effort on the cricket front go and do like a bunch of things in the world outside of that and now full circle again and i'm back in cricket so it's been it's been phenomenal for me so zubin if you have a young player coming to you uh, like your case and telling you that you know i'm not sure whether i can put in that hard work to get back to where i was what would you tell him from a coaching standpoint if i was to talk to the kid my my whole philosophy around that has always been that Uh, you coach everybody in the same way 
you don't sort of dif- distinguish between some guy who's brilliant and some guy who's not. So you you keep everybody the same, and you pass on the knowledge to everybody in the same way. And what happens as a result is some players grow and some players don't. And you just sort of back every player that you can. So you you try to make the maximum or out of whatever that individual has. So if they're going along the path and they're suddenly thinking, oh, they're going to play for India or whatever, you encourage that path. Obviously, in this day and age, you're more competitive than before. Hence, the chances of playing are even fewer. So you always try and sort of guide somebody to the extent where you know you try and be as truthful as possible in terms of you know where they can go, but always making it sure that look they are very clear in their mind that these are the pitfalls that will come along the way. Uh, it's not going to be an easy ride. It's there's no there's no simple you know there's there's never a straight line to success. How did Rajasthan Royals change your life? 2006-7. I was in London at the time. I just I finished my MBA and all that. I was working in London. Chris Innes, uh, a friend of mine in London, introduced me to Manoj Badale, who at the time was you know just a, a, an entrepreneur who believed actually strangely who believed that there was so much talent in India that we could we could run a cricket show. Uh, called cricket star uh, find talent from all across the country and develop them and uh, his vision was that t20 was going to be a big thing nobody had heard of the ipl at that point nobody had heard of the icl either this was the year before that and fascinatingly this is what he said to me he said t20 is going to be huge because he had at that time bought a something to do with leicestershire county cricket club he had like a like they were running it or something he took a the rights to run Leicestershire County Cricket Club and Leicestershire County Cricket Club won the first T20 championship in in it would have been 2005 6 somewhere around that period and he then saw that so Leicestershire winning then he said look why don't we why don't we do something between Leicestershire and India but then he had this idea about this cricket star you know it was like the the voice or you know one of these these kind of music shows we launched that i think in 2006 7 in india and he sort of requested whether i could run it for him in terms of the background in terms of the cricket and how i could develop the boys and so on and so forth we went around the country and we found guys like dinesh salunke and gurkirat singh man and rahil sheik and there's so many of these guys that we found on that show uh, we ended up actually when leicestershire visited india for to play the t20 game we actually beat them uh, which was phenomenal uh, and nobody knew IPL was coming the following season. Uh, and so when the IPL came the following season, we sort of had half a side almost there. Uh, and then it sort of ended up becoming Rajasthan Royals and uh, obviously the rest is history. I had to ask you uh, about a story which I heard uh, about your Bombay University trials. Uh, I mean, they didn't pick you because you hit the ball in the air. Is that true? Yeah, that's a fascinating story as always because I... As you know, the Podar College won the championship that year. I think I got 150 at the one kade. I got 100 in the in uh, actually on the Sundar wicket. I got 100 in the quarterfinals as well. So I was actually expecting to captain the the side. Uh, it was something quite bizarre because uh, I was handed a clipboard by the selectors uh, saying that you know start marking the names. I think in those days you mandatorily have to put out a press release right to call for a trial and stuff like that. So it was like you know there were thousands of people there they were just going next 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 and right at the end they said uh, you know why don't a few of you sort of guys who are obviously going to be in the team bat 
obviously i i went into bad and as you know that wankhede stadium uh, practice wickets the the top of the stadium is on the right hand side and and because we grew up at uh, you know playing on on that uh, dadar union wicket where the ruya college used to be on the right hand side uh, across the road and we would always try and play inside out so we all became masters of that inside out shot so i was wanting to impress uh, with the inside out shot so a couple of these left arm spinners were bowling so i was very keen so i came inside out and i hit it you know on the stand i did that particularly because if you uh, that particular year the tournament was changed from a three day to- version to the shorter version so i said this would be a nice way to show them my my uh, my skills <laughs> so I, i played some phenomenal shots i thought and then later on they uh, they said that oh you know he hit the ball in the air or something like that so i was like i couldn't quite figure it out but uh, yeah the rest is his it helped me in a way because i then decided that uh, you know i'll just go and join sungrace and himan vaiganga came very kindly and offered me a a role there uh, and that was another phenomenal uh, part of my uh, cricket learning journey with sandeep patel and suru nayak and all these other legends uh, i mean we had so many top players in that side and the other one was iqbal khan Uh, who very interestingly you know people talk about the scoop and the reverse scoop and the dil scoop and all that but the first the very first time that i have seen that kind of innovation on a cricket pitch it happened at hindu jimkhana and he flipped the ball both sides over his left shoulder and over his right shoulder and i had never seen it anywhere in international cricket nor in any cricket iqbal khan was the first guy who did that by not getting picked in that university side it helped me you know by going to sungrace mafatlal and then of course vinod was there sachin was there you know sandeep patel led us brilliantly surunayak was there uh, according to me surunayak was the best leg spinner um, full stop in india and i know that because i was keeping as nayan mongia often decided to get a creak in the back every time he came to sungrace mafatlal uh, and refused to keep so so i was the the makeshift keeper while anil joshi sort of said quite in, encourage me to become the wicket keeper as he sort of st- stood there and watch me <laughs> i have never encountered such a skillful leg spinner if it was the ipl for example i can be assured that uh, you know as 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 we ended up picking a 44 year old pravin tambe certainly suru nayak could have played a lot a lot of games than royals had he had he continued playing as a leg spinner he was just phenomenal as a leg spinner yeah. uh, so zubin um... Uh, we have this rapid fire round uh, uh, this is a surprise i have not told you about it uh, first up shruda captain ravi shastri or shane warne oh equal <laughs> uh, if you would have to choose uh, one batsman to bat for your life gavaskar or rahul dravid oh my god you are really pushing the boundaries here i'll go gavaskar just because i know rahul much better and he'll accept it <laughs> but i mean I, i honestly i grew up i grew up watching sunil gavaskar bat and people don't realize the difference uh, when you when you bat with a helmet and without a helmet and what sunil gavaskar did you know to bat without a helmet and to play the kind of cricket that he played uh, i mean that is just something you know extraordinary a better piece of below sg or simons neither <laughs> i used to play with a, with a newberry <laughs> And what about that power uh, bat? Uh, that was just a sticker, is it? Oh uh, yeah, I think that I think Jatin gave me that one. <laughs> uh, preferred maidan, Azad or cross? I've definitely scored more runs at cross, so I'll go cross. <laughs> preferred ground, Bombay Gym or CCI? 
I've got a first class 100 at CCI, but 100% Bombay Gym ahead of CCI. <laughs> That's just local rivalry. <laughs> I have another anecdote for you. Uh, both my both my debut century bats were not mine. Uh, one was, I think, one, the first the, in Ranji Trophy, Samir Dige gave me his bat. Somebody else gave me a bat for my Irani Trophy 100. By then, I was really not fussed which bat I was batting with. <laughs> okay, Zubin, uh, this brings to an end uh, to... Uh, midday's Mumbai Cricket Podcast with Clayton Murzalo. Thanks for agreeing to come on it and we wish you all the best. Thanks so much, Clayton. It was just a sheer joy to be speaking about Mumbai Cricket.